So I read a book a couple years ago that was really a, a changing, book, a life-changing book for me on idols, and it was really an interesting thing to do. It's like you think idols are silly. At least I always have. We had. I have to start with a Wesley story. Years ago, we had a choir director who is nuttier than most our choir directors, but he he decided he founded a at a yard sale or something a little brass Buddha about that tall. You know Buddha. You guys ever seen Buddha before? Big fat belly kind of guys. And everybody thought it was so funny. And he put it in his office, and everybody would polish his belly as they came in, just out of silliness. And, and then one day, a Maroon and White Corps later came in and was really offended that we had this false idol. And it's like, I assured her that we weren't worshiping it at all. If anything, we were being sacrilegious with it. But, you know, I, I never really thought of idols being a problem in our world. You know, God is God, and that's that. You know, we, we think of God, the God of heavens and earth, and we don't really think of anything actually being a God. In fact, i got to confess, I judged these people a little bit, because I thought to myself, what kind of fool would make a golden calf? You all know the story of Moses going up with the Ten Commandments, and he's gone too long, and the people, when he's gone, melt down a bunch of gold and make the golden calf and worship him. And I'm like, did that ever occur to you guys? You know, it's like, no, that's a, that's a kind of ridiculous thing to me. But then I started realizing what an idol actually was, and then realized maybe this is a message for today. And for college students, too. I'm going to read from Psalm 135, which is really a kind of fun... I, I know you guys think I have a bizarre sense of humor, and I do. But I think God has a sense of humor, too. And so this is a funny verse, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to alter it just a tad in the end. <laughs> Psalm 135, starting in 13. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them. So all will, so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, praise the Lord. House of Aaron, praise the Lord. Wesleyites, praise the Lord. You who fear Him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to Him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this faithful witness, even so old, such old times and long ago. We pray that they saw something that we need to see, Lord. We pray that we would be like them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So this, this psalm was actually a hymn written, sort of an unknown time, and so it was clearly was planned. And it repeats, praise the Lord, over and over. And so that's important to know, kind of like we sing, oh, glory, Lord, and honor. They sing, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so the audience would sing, and then the rabbi would sing, or whatever. You know, we'd go along. And so it was kind of part of their worship to do it. I want to flip over to just one verse in 1 John, just in case you don't realize that this is a New Testament issue all. Also, in 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, I don't think for a second that he was talking about golden calves. You know, I mean, it could be. Paul at some point goes on a tirade about the unknown God. You might remember that if you read in Corinthians. There actually was a God when they couldn't make up another one. They just made up the unknown God, which was even harder to worship. But why would we, why would we do that? Why would people like keep making false gods and make images? You know, I know when I look at the weather, you know, in our culture, we like to talk about Mother Earth or, or you know, some of and sort of create this mystical thing that exists but doesn't really, you know what I mean? And so it's not really wrong to use it, but you, as long as you don't get too literal about it, I guess. But I guess if Mother Earth becomes your goddess. It becomes a sin. I, I don't know. When I look at the beautiful wildlife outside, I think to myself, that's part of what God created. It's beautiful. But I don't say, that squirrel is part of God. It's God. 
You know what I mean? And so it's like, you've got to remember that we're, we're actually worshiping. So thinking back to yourself for a minute, there's like, why would this verse make so much fun of other people's gods? Now remember to the Israelites, they couldn't understand why all these other uh, religions and faiths and co- uh, countries would have just made up gods. They just sort of made up something, horses or cats. There's somebody who worshipped cats, I think it was Egyptians. But you know, there was, there's just all kinds of things to worship. And I think to myself, what's changed in our culture? We don't worship those stupid things. You know, are we smarter than they were? More spiritual than they were? And, and you know, obviously, we're missing what an idol is. Because we still, First John said, dear children, don't worship idols. Clearly, it's a battle for us too. And sorry, this book really helped me see that idols are way bigger than what we're thinking of. Anything that we lift up in our lives higher than God, it becomes an idol. It could be a person. It could be your computer. It could be your classic car. It could be ah, women in general. It could be men in general. You know, it's like there's so many things that I was overwhelmed with. General Joyner, what do college students idolize? You know, sometimes it's famous. Being famous is really that sort of thing we just, is so high we'll do anything to be famous. And it's a real problem in our culture. You know, it's like, we'll kill people if it'll make us the most famous murderer. And that's sick. That's really sick, isn't it? But it's like, you know when an idol gets to be too much in your life, when it starts hurting you. And you start realizing this is empty. One of the things about getting old that's really a positive is you realize that everything wears out and breaks and gets old. You know, when you build a house, Sam just bought a house, right? And his house has been sitting there empty for a while and things fall down. It doesn't stay the same when you leave it. When I go away from the lake, if I go for a month, when I come back, the lawn is full of burrs. There's a raccoon dug a hole through the roof. A rat's come in the bottom. There's always something. Things rust. And there's several Bible verses in the New Testament say, don't put your treasure where there's moths and rust will get it. And I think that is so wise. Because you know what? With classic cars, the worst enemy you have is rust. And if you park a classic car, you probably think, oh, you put it in a nice room and you leave it that it will be perfect all the time. No, pretty soon it won't start. The battery will die. And then the gas line clogs up and the rust starts rotting through the body. And what I've learned is you better enjoy it now because it's going away. And the only thing that doesn't go away is God in your life. People go away. College goes away. If you idolize A&M, you're going to be disappointed in the end. You know, and it's like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but don't worship the Aggie God. There's a higher God than the Aggie God, right? And that's like, surely, if you have friends that are not Aggies, they've pointed out to you, uh, uh, look, at, look at him smiling, that sometimes our, our Aggie-ness gets a little close to worship and a little scary. They think Wesley's a cult, man. It's like, whatever, you know, put us up against the core and we look good, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to insult the core, but, but I really think we do make gods, guys. Get real about this. It's like, what do you put in your life that's your highest priority? Is it getting rich someday? Getting the, being the smartest person in the world. Maybe it's your intellect. The book came up with ones that I never even thought about. He called one the voice. Thinking it's arrogant and it's pride and it's idle to think that your voice is so important that you've always got to speak your opinion. And your opinion is more. And it's like, it's pride really. But in a way, it's an idol when you think, oh, you can solve all the world's problems. You know, one of the things about wisdom is you learn quickly that you, can't, you don't know everything. Only people that think they know everything and the people that suffer from this, I guess. But freedom can be one year. Nobody has rule on me. And probably the biggest one I see in my age group is leisure or recreation. Pleasure is our deal now. I'm retiring early so that I can do what I want and play golf all day. And you've got to ask yourself, is that really what God's calling me to do? See, I hope you see in your life there's going to be some idols. I mean, that's why the scripture says, beware of the idols, right? 
Avoid them. Think, think anything that you have that comes before God becomes an idol then, right? So what the first part of this psalm says, God's name endures forever. This is sort of beautiful. It's the Hebrew way of saying that God is going to be there forever, guys. It's his name, but it's more than that. It's the essence of God in your life. That is the one thing that will not go away. You know what? You might, you, this is a horrible thought, but you can have a major that in a few years, they don't even call it that anymore. We had a journalism here, school here at Wesley, at Wesley, at A&M once, greatest, biggest school on campus, and they just closed it. They merged it into about five or six different other. So you have a journalism from, degree from A&M, you're sort of a dinosaur, I guess. You know, it's like, and pretty soon, you guys that were born after, uh, before 2000, you're dinosaurs already, you know, from the old century, right? It's like, and then, don't ask about me. But either way, the other, I'm still in the same half of the century as, as Ben is. But anyway, <laughs> like, my point is, guys, what are you, can you hold on to, guys? Do you ever try to hold on to like a gym, uh, jungle gym or something you were a kid, you know, and you'd get up there and it was really macho to just hold on and you just couldn't stand it anymore, you know, and you'd be dangling from your fingers and your fingers, the blood stops circulating pretty soon and starts, that's kind of what we're doing, we're trying to hold on to things that slip away. Your house will fail, your car will become old and junky. Someday you'll look at it and think, that's a junker, I don't want it anymore. It's like, so when you put your love in a car, classic cars last longer but they still rust away, right? They still fade. I know this sounds depressing. Do you realize how quickly computers go out of... Out of uh, yeah, right. Two, three years, they're like, there's something better. How about cell phones? We just got a new i8. Yeah, eight. eight. And it's old, right? It's old already. It's like the tens are out. It's like there's always something better. Hold on to what doesn't change, right? What holds on in your life. When God is the top, he didn't, you don't have to worry about breaking that commandment that says, put no idols before me. It's like you know that the first and most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. I feel like these Jews were saying it. Sometimes the Babylon gods were like, like I said, unknown gods. You know, you sacrifice to them, you do all these things. That's not what God wants from right? What is the sacrifice he wants is a broken and contrite spirit, is what Psalm says. And it's a beautiful way of looking at it. But your sports can become, when you focus on sports all the time, don't you think sometimes you put God down lower and put sports above it? When you go to football games instead of like going to church, your value choices sort of show up. You know, I'm, I'm getting personal here, but I really do think there's not wrong to love things, but when they slip in the first place, it's like you're challenging God to get rid of them in your life. What I learned about myself is that every time I put my love in something that was not what God wanted, he would make it go away. One thing after another. I had probably six cars in college. I, I don't even know. But every time I got to really like in a car, it'd burn up. And I'd be like, God, I like cars. I kept making cars personal. And then I think God finally said to me, they're just machines, right? They come and they go. Wives stay longer, you know, but, but cars come and go. Yeah, cars come and go. And it's like, so don't put your love into things that are, especially inanimate stuff. How crazy is that? Are you going to love a, a bronze Buddha? You know, is a ring so important to you or, or anything? None of them. And it's like, I don't want to even challenge God to get rid of things in my life. I just kind of remind myself, this is not important. There's always a, this is what I learned as you get older, guys. Your toys get more expensive, and there's always more toys. And at some point in the life, you just got to go, I don't need it. I don't want it. You know, it's like, if, I, if you do have it, make sure that it's not your most precious thing. Even houses, you know, they deteriorate. You know, they burn down. Things happen, you know, it's like, they will not be here in a thousand years. But your life with God will be. So God will vindicate his people and have compassion on them. That really makes me, makes me ponder, what's the casualty in making these false gods? Let's say you want to get rich so bad. Right? I know a lot of us struggle with that. It's like, we all want to have enough, but to how much is enough is the problem. It's like, 
It's like when that gets out of control, you get depressed when you don't get the best job. Or, you know, you, you're frustrated when you get locked in a salary and you don't get increases. It's all about the money and you feel like other people get more than you do. In us preachers, you think we would be above this, but actually we're not. You know, we actually can look up on a chart all the salaries of the preachers in the Texas Annual Conference, at least the high ones. And you know what it does? It does a great job of making us jealous of each other, right? And competitive. We're all competitive. And so we're like, whoa, he gets 5,000 more than I do at his church. I work just as hard as he does, and we all get, get bitter about it. We're putting salaries above our relationship with God. If God said, be here, that's where I belong, not where they pay me more. And it's like, that's really a hard thing to learn in life. Sometimes you've got to say no to the higher salary to realize where you are is where you belong. You know what I mean? It's like, this is where God is using you. And it may be tempting to move to Hawaii, you know, for your next job, but it may not be what God's actually calling you to do. I think what the Jews were trying to say, though, is they have an eternal God that's in a personal relationship with them. And anything that gets before that personal relationship becomes wrong. Anything. So even school can pull you away, couldn't it? If, you, if all you're about is school and you miss God in college, you're making a mistake. So this is my favorite part of the verse. False idols are to be mocked and derided and avoided. And it's like, I, I think this is really fun because I like the thought that God is mocking the other nations and saying how silly this is. I, I like that because a lot of times when I'm trying to tell myself when I'm being dumb, I mock it. You know what I'll talk? I'll make little jokes about how stupid it is to idolize my cars. How many times can you wash a car, right? And before it gets a little ridiculous, you know, how many, you know, I have dust covers for my cars and I have, you know, it's okay. Some people it's shoes. Some people it's, it's clothes, right, girls? You probably know some people that's all about the coolest, newest clothes. You know, at some point you've got to stop and go, wait, this is getting out of control. There's a nothingness of idols that is actually kind of fun. And he calls them impotent and weak. You know what really reminds me of this stuff is when you go to a funeral. And a lot of you, how many of you all been to a funeral yet? Yeah, good for you, good for you. I think it's important to go because what really slaps you, <laughs> what? Well, it slaps you in the face that life ends, right? And it's like, I really think it's good to go and, and face it that tomorrow could be your last day. Be ready. You know, make sure that you put your priorities in the right place. Funerals are not supposed to be for the dead people. They're for the living people to stop and go, wait, we got a hundred years. I want to do the most with it, right? I've got just so much time and I want to put God at the top and not worship anything else. Because in the end, everything else just sort of falls away, guys. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen like paper filters when they get wet or those little, those little, uh, Paracels when they parasol parasol when they get wet and that just paper just kind of falls down and all you got is a frame now at the end of our life it all falls down and God's still there right everything we've done in for eternity for for God's kingdom is still there and the rest of it all seems like fluff meaningless sort of stuff those who make them will be like and this is probably the biggest point of the whole thing that the authors are trying to get us that if you're not careful you will become like your the thing you worship if you're about money you'll become greedy. You know, if you're about, you know, possessions, it'll be like what consumes you and you worry about them and you get anxious. Like, I really feel like there's a, lot, a truth here that's kind of creepy. You sort of, after a long time, sort of darken your mind to what God's priority is into this is the most important thing. And you sort of change it. Now, let me just step on a toe here. Even family guys can become a God. It can be too high. At some point, God says we have to hate our father and mother even to follow him completely. And that's what he's trying to say. Is like, even that choice at some points, I need to follow God first, and then those other things happen. So you go, well, why is it so important to praise the Lord? I think it's because we remind ourselves every time we sing a gospel song, right? Every time we, we praise the Lord, we remind ourselves, he's number one, right? He's not allowing number two. This is important. 
because God gets a little angry about the whole number two thing. You know, it's like no person, no thing can ever take that place in your life. So you want to be happy, you want to have a life that's meaningful. I thought of that song, that's Francesca Bennett, I can't say her last name, Benicelli. It's a great song, you really ought to listen to it. He knows my name. You know, we're in a personal relationship, and that is way more important than what kind of car I drive or how big a house I live in or any of those things, you know, or how, how famous I become seems really empty at the, all of it, at the end of it if you don't really know that God knows your name. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter if your name isn't in lights. He knows your name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that we can praise you and scream loudly how much we laud and honor you because we know you, Lord, and we have that personal relationship. Let us be wise in keeping you, the, the king of all our things in our lives. Uh, that we might never worship an idol. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.